0: Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church.
1: Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. And that's what Jesus said in John 10.10. And all work, no play is commonly regarded as an unhealthy lifestyle. Scripture goes a step further and says all work, no purpose is also a dead end. This message today challenges us to view work through God's specific vision for our lives. If you have a Bible, Pastor Sean is in John chapter 6 and Jeremiah chapter 1. It's time. for Real Life Radio.
2: Our series is called One Life. You got one life. God gave each of us one life. It is a gift. It is a sacred trust. Make the most of it. The question has been: will it be a real life? We've had a guiding passage throughout this series. So we're getting out th- week three. You should be close to memorizing this passage by now, all right? Ephesians 5, 15, through, uh, 15 and through 17. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So this word is to make the most of every opportunity by being careful, by being wise, and by understanding the Lord's will. And remember last week we talked about, well, how do you know what God's will is? Well, you ask him. And we talked about God speaking. Remember, we saw God is speaking. The question is, are you listening? Are you and I listening? Because God does want to give direction. Now, the title of this morning's message is Making a Life. Making a Life. Some of you guys, uh, especially if you're a basketball fan, you know who John Wooden was. John Wooden, uh, Hall of Fame player and coach, called the Wizard of Westwood because he coached at UCLA. He won 10 NCAA championships in a 12 year period, including an unprecedented seven in a row. Now, stop and consider your stars are graduating all the time. And he won seven in a row. What's really kind of bring that into perspective nobody else has won more than two in a row. So he won seven in a row. Incredible guy. The thing about Wooden was he was obviously immensely successful Hall of Famer in basketball, but he's a committed Christian. And what's interesting is, some of you may know his name more just because of his writings on leadership, on how often he's quoted in leadership writing, because he's known for teaching his players that success at life is more important than success in basketball, and he's quoted everywhere. Just because he was such an amazing man, and he lived his life by a set of principles that guided him. Now, there's some wooden quotes you may have heard. Things turn out best for the people who make the best of the way things turn out. It's just good advice. Do not let what you cannot do interfere with what you can do. I like that one a lot. But one of my favorites, one of my favorites is this. Do not let making a living prevent you from making a life. John Wooden. Do not let making a living prevent you from making a life. Now what does Wooden mean When he says making a life, he made it clear to his players, hey, we're going to be very successful on the basketball court, but guys, what good is it if we aren't successful in life, if we don't take the things we learn here and be successful in a bigger picture kind of way? What does he mean by making a life? Just stop and imagine. Imagine a life where you are free to follow your heart. Think about that. You are free to follow your heart. The things God has put in your heart, the thing he's designed to do, you are free to follow that. Imagine a life where there is... Unbelievable love in relationships all around you that are lasting and they're meaningful. They're not temporary and disposable. Imagine using your God-given abilities to make a contribution that is purposeful and which makes a positive difference in the world around you and maybe even beyond. Imagine a deep abiding joy in the midst of it all. See, I think that's the kind of thing he's talking about when he talks about making a life. And I want to suggest he points us to one of the biggest obstacles. And I just want to briefly touch on the idol of making a living. I think Wooden is alluding to this idol in our lives of making a living. Don't get me wrong. Please, work is honorable. Earning your bread is biblical. Caring for your family is biblical. Uh, Please be real clear on that. But that's a, a far cry, I think, from the workaholic trance that many people live in. The kind of institutionalized work worship that is prescribed and practiced by much of our society and much of our culture. Where everything else revolves around the job and the paycheck. Everything is about, got to just get the paycheck. And so many important, meaningful things, making a life is kind of pushed to the side because of this. Jesus said in John six twenty seven through 29, and this is kind of a puzzling passage. He says, do not work for food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. They said to him, what must, we, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. I think what Jesus is alluding to here is this work obsession, this unhealthy obsession with whether it be our career and our personal achievement or our money and the needs. It, what Jesus is saying is there's so much more. And I think he's saying this work obsession is rooted in unbelief. Fundamentally, there's this sense that if I don't take care of number one, then God can't. If I don't do it, then who's going to? And I know some of you are going, but, but Sean, come on, you got to be practical. People got to eat, right? Of course. Jesus talked about that, and we'll point to that in just a little bit he promised to be our provider but there's something so far beyond eating and meeting our needs in this drivenness that we approach towards work while the important things of life are kind of blowing past us and we're missing it it's funny it's one of the ten commandments and it's this idea of the sabbath principle god gave us the sabbath principle the idea of a day a week it says god rested after his creation He even describes in the book of Hebrews, he describes our life in him as his rest, similar to the promised land, that we're to be people who in the midst of our work, I'm not talking about inactivity, I'm talking about directed activity. In the midst of it, there is supposed to be this sense of rest that we're able to walk in in the midst of doing something significant in God's name and with the tools and gifts that he's given us. And the Sabbath principle is a regular, supposed to be weekly routine. And I commend all of you for being here, for taking this time on what many of us recognize as the Sabbath. And just recognizing that, you know what? There are things bigger than what I can do and what I can accomplish with my work, and there's something very sacred and spiritual about just like Father did when he rested from creation, just pausing and resting. And recognizing that it's not me, my work, my stuff that makes the world go round. That's the Sabbath principle. It's a discipline designed to remind us that there is a God and it's not us. So my main point for us this morning is actually stolen right from John Wooden, but he doesn't care. Don't let making a living keep you from making a life. If you're taking notes, write that down. Don't let making a living keep you from making a life. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn over to the book of Jeremiah. Book of Jeremiah. I'm going to begin reading at verse 1 of chapter 1. The words of Jeremiah son of Hilkiah, one of the priests of Anatoth in the territory of Benjamin. The word of the Lord came to him in the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah, and through the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, down to the fifth month of the 11th year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people of Jerusalem went into exile. To people who are familiar with Israel's history, what he said, basically, is he prophesied from about 627 BC till at least 586 BC. These are the final five decades of Judah, the southern kingdom's history. For they also were taken into captivity and ceased to exist. He's writing during one of the most turbulent times in the history of God's people. They'd been through unbelievable up and down, and now they were experiencing, they were on the cusp of experiencing God's judgment, and it was not a pretty time. And he brings a message of judgment and a call to repentance. And here's how he begins his word. Verse 4, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So God's initial approach to Jeremiah is to give him a big, bigger picture of what his life is about. You're not just a guy sitting here being swept along by these world events, Jeremiah. I knew you, I saw you, and I have a plan for you. And here's a question I have for us. As I think of those words, the word of the Lord to Jeremiah, before I formed you, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. What if this isn't just for Jeremiah? What if God has a similar type of message for you and I? You thought about that? You're like, well, Sean, come on, that's God's word to a prophet. Aren't you stretching the scripture a bit here? Well, not if I understand Ephesians 2.10 right. Remember what he said to Jeremiah, and here's what he now says to us. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do.
1: And we want to take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in this series called One Life, Make Yours Count. And if you're looking for a church home, we have your invitation from Pastor Sean.
2: Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church.
1: And back to the message, Making a Life. This is Real Life Radio.
2: We're his handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. One of the things that I find kind of challenging is I think we would fight Pretty hard, at least most of us who are spirit filled believers in Jesus Christ, who are more conservative in our theology, we would fight for the doctrine of creation. We believe in the doctrine of creation. Yes, in the beginning, God created. But I think we miss the meaning of creation. What good does it do if we fight for the doctrine of creation if we don't live out the meaning of creation? Before you were born, He knew you and He created you uniquely, distinctly, for a purpose. You're not an accident. God sees you, he knows you, and he designed you. It's interesting, God continues in Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 18, and the reason I'm kind of so drawn to Jeremiah right now is in our daily Bible reading plan that we have at reallife.org, where we've been walking through the book of Jeremiah. Well, in Jeremiah 18, God says to Jeremiah, get up and go to the potter's house, and when you get there, I'll tell you what to say, and he watches this potter. He watches how he would start a pot, and then if it wasn't working out right, he would Reform it and change it. And God speaks to Jeremiah and says, I'm the potter. And I if I want to bring a change in the life of my people, if my people are not living their intended purpose, and I want to start over and do something different, I have a right to do that because I'm the potter. And here his people had been rebelling against him. They weren't living anywhere near their purpose, they were involved in idolatry, wicked practices. And he's to Jeremiah, he's showing them why he has the right to stop and say, I will bring judgment. And in that, he brings a message of hope. He says, if you run from me, if you violate my principles, then you will find my judgment. And we know that's what happened. That's what they did, and that's what happened. But He says, but if you turn back to me, then you'll find my blessing. And I'll pull back from my judgment. And he uses this idea of the potter. And what's interesting is the word that he used in Jeremiah 1, for I formed you or I shaped you, is the Hebrew word yatzar. The word for potter in Jeremiah 18 is yotzar. It's the same idea. Yotzar is the person. Yatzar is what he does. And Jeremiah, when he heard this idea of God shaping, he remembered what God had said to him in the very beginning of this call, this ministry of his, I formed you and I shaped you like a potter. Shapes a beautiful pot. This, the beauty of pottery is that it's, it's functional, it's useful, it's important. But it's also beautiful. Each one's unique. It's art. And that is exactly the way God had created Jeremiah, for a purpose. And that's the way God has created you and I, for something significant. Don't get caught just believing in the doctrine of creation without understanding the meaning of creation. What our creator did for us. God has created and called you to be set apart as his. He's appointed a work for you, good works, which God intended from the beginning, is what the writer of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul, tells us. Now back to Jeremiah, verse 6. Here's Jeremiah's response when he hears this wonderful thing. He says, Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I don't know how to speak. I'm too young. God's unique call for Jeremiah was to be a prophet. And he's like, I, I can't speak. I'm too young. No one will listen to me. Excuses, excuses. How many times do we approach God just exactly like that? When I sit here and I tell you, and I show you in the word of God, empirically, that God has a unique plan for you, a design, unique things that he's created and equipped you to do, right away, some of us go, oh, I can't do that. Ooh, ooh, that's too hard. Mm, mm not me. Mm. I, 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 don't, I don't talk well, God. I, I can't do that. Oh, no, you got to, oh, my brother's smart. We sound like Moses. Remember Moses at the burning bush, all the excuses he was making? How many times do we do the exact same thing? Self-deprecating excuses for why God's big vision couldn't be for us. Verse 7 in Jeremiah 1, But the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I'm with you. I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Listen to this. Then the Lord reached out his hand, touched my mouth, and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. What's fascinating here is God's call, his unique call for Jeremiah was as a prophet to his wayward people. That was his assignment in his day, in his time. And I find interesting, God gave him everything he needed to the point of even putting his word in Jeremiah's mouth. Ephesians 2.10 suggests that he has done the exact same thing for you and I. He's done everything that he did for Jeremiah and he's done it for us couple observations I think we can make from this passage. One, God created you and I for a unique purpose and contribution. God created you for a unique purpose and contribution. What's funny is as I think I say these words, if you think about it, you've sensed this your whole life. From the time you're old enough to start thinking about what you would do with your life, you've sensed that God created you for something more than just kind of Paying your bills, going through your week, wrapping up, having a quick weekend, and then do it all again. When you were a child, you didn't dream of being someone who would kind of go through the motions and make the treadmill and fly by weeks and never really do something that mattered. But what's funny is as we get older and kind of the path starts to get locked in for us, By what rules, I don't know, but it seems to be that way. We get locked in. And then as we kind of get responsibilities stacked on top, before you know it, we feel like we've lost all of our choices. And I just want to say, who says? Who says you've lost all your choices? God didn't. You've known that you were created for a unique purpose and contribution. I want to suggest one of the biggest clues, I've told you this before, is your heart's passion. Your heart's passion, the things that you sit and go, somebody should do something about that. That's not right. Or what an opportunity that is. That's amazing. Those passions that rise up. When we say somebody should do something about that, I've told you before, God's listening. And he's like, yep, somebody should. Wish we knew somebody. What if you're that somebody? Have you ever sat and processed this with the Lord? Lord, what do you have for me to do? Or are you kind of just do what you do, and then if you get a few free hours a week, go, well, God, I can do this for you, that for you. Or do you sit in the context of the bigger picture of your life and go, Lord, you've created me with passions, abilities. You've created all these things in me, Lord. You've given me a heart to do something meaningful. What do you want to do with this life that you created me for and have given me? That's a powerful process. Just the simple act of saying, God, what is your desire? What is your plan? There is no greater joy in life than finding God's amazing purpose. Experiencing a life of God's, of God-given purpose consistent with your God-given design. There's something that happens when you connect in that place. That is just beautiful. My challenge this morning is don't let making a living keep you from making a life. A second thing we learn is that God has gifted you with everything you need. He's gifted you with absolutely everything you need. And that's one of those challenging things because sometimes people don't know what their gifts are and they try to figure it out. You remember, everybody has gifts that God has given. Unique talents, abilities. Something about getting into connection with that. Finding out the way God has designed you and working and moving in concert with his intended design is absolutely beautiful i just want to challenge you don't say you know what could i do i don't have anything to offer like jeremiah did remember how god literally put the words he said i have put my words in you do you realize god's done the same thing for you you ever wonder what he's put in you have you stopped to think about that if jeremiah was to speak and god put the words in him what does he put in you Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members. And the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let, Let them use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. its talking about spiritual gifts that God invests in every single believer in Jesus Christ. He gives us spiritual gifts. He gives us talents Some of you have amazing talents and you don't engage them with any significant portion of your week. You have unique gifts. You have skills. I want to suggest God knows them, he created you with them, and he gave them to you for a purpose. Here's a question. Are you spending significant time employing your God-given gifts and abilities? I want to suggest if not, you'll be frustrated and less effective than you could be. It's worth figuring out what are those things that God has invested. Spiritual gifts are spiritual gifts assessments. I think one of the best ways to understand how, what kind of talents and abilities are to look back and see what things have worked well. Talk to people who know you. Get some honest feedback. Be willing to take it. Some things are kind of easy. A beautiful thing about golf is it's a golf score. It tells you right away, you suck at golf, you don't do it. I mean, it's crystal clear. Not everything's that simple. But let me tell you, as much as a golf score will be honest with you, your friends will be honest with you if you're open to it. You know, if you're constantly feeling like you're just under the curve and you're kind of behind the eight ball at work, maybe you're working in something that you're not gifted to be working in. And maybe God's designed you for something different. There's always going to be things that are hard. There's always going to be things that aren't easy. That's normal. But everything shouldn't be hard and everything shouldn't feel like I'm, I'm swimming upstream all the time. There should be those times and places where you're like, you know what? This just works because God gave me what I need. Like he put the words in Jeremiah's mouth. He's put this skill in my hand. He's put this gift in my spirit. He's put this desire in my heart and it just works. Don't let making a living keep you from making a life. Third, God has prepared you in ways you may not understand. This is really significant. God has prepared you in ways that you may not understand. Your journey up to this point has not been an accident. And God is immensely creative. You go, but, well, but I made, what if I made the wrong move? Now my journey changed because I made the wrong move. Don't think that God is somehow like, befuddled by that. Like, ooh, if you wouldn't have done that, I could have helped. But now, I'm in over my head. I'm out. Mm, mm. <laughs> You are a mess. I mean, really, I think we get locked into these things. God doesn't. We, if we make a wrong decision, a wrong step with God, do you know what we did? We just changed the curriculum. That's all we did. We changed the curriculum. Now, God, okay, well, we're going to work on that because he's God. Your journey has not been an accident.
1: Thank you, Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Real Life Radio in this series called One Life, Make Yours Count. But if you'd like to hear this full message and this series, it's available right now when you find the sermons link at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church located on Lookout Road. You can see all the directions, details, and service times also at reallife.org. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262 as Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. And we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life.
2: Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church.